welcome to episode 85 of the Squeeze Baseball Podcast. Today is February 24th, 2022. My name is Tyler. With me, I have Michael Langston. Uh, the world is not on fire. Quite... Yeah, yeah, the world's on fire. How about yours? No, but there, there's some like wars going on right now. So, that, you know, that kind of sucks. My war. What is it good, good for? Absolutely nothing. nothing. Yeah, man. I I don't know. I fucking uh, Russia, Ukraine, that stuff's going on. That's not really baseball related, but it's worth note probably. Uh, I had something... a protein shake earlier that tasted like fruity pebbles, and that is baseball related. That is baseball related, and of note. And I'm really glad you're staying healthy, Michael. You you be uh, putting on some gains. I'm trying. I'm trying. I got the weight bench back there. See that right there? There's my bench next to my video games. Can you believe this? Let's do a little tour. That's Mohamed Salah. Um, that is the Sports Illustrated from when the Blues won the cup. That's an art project I did in elementary school. That's supposed to be Sean White. This is over 500 or so video games, and I've played over 370 of them. Uh, there's my workout bench, my weighted vest and my little ab wheel. And can you believe it? With all of this nerdy shit behind me, I still have a girlfriend. Wow. Confirmed here. You heard it first or second. Michael has a girlfriend despite. Oh, what's that base you have? I see a, a base. Oh, a base. This base right here. Um, that is from the 2019 National League Division Series. Uh, Cardinals versus Braves. That's third base. And I got that at a sale after the season. That's third base oh. from that game. Wow. I thought they just let you take a base. And like, I haven't really. Oh, no, yeah, I had like, to buy it, which fucking sucked. But I haven't really ever been super jealous before. That would have made me super jealous. If they yeah. were just, oh, hey, Michael, here, take this base. Well, okay. <laughs> they have given me some cool shit. I'm no, they have given you really cool shit. But. I got a Mike Shannon uh, alarm clock over there, That's which so cool. it if it goes off, it goes, uh, get up, baby, get up. You know, not in the sense of get up as in the whole run, as in get up, like wake the fuck up. Oh, man. Imagine Mike Shannon at the foot of your bed at 4 a.m. telling you to wake up. Don't give me nightmares. What do okay? you do in that situation? Scream and ask how Mike got in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, why are you here? Mike. Mike, why are you here? Ah, Michael, I just want to come say hi. That's great. I'm terrified. <laughs> Mike, go to sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> we love Mike Shannon. Don't get me wrong. Love Mike Shannon. Great guy. I think in just any general sense, though, no matter who it is, if they woke me up at four in the morning sitting on the foot of my bed, nine times out of ten, I would be very confused and terrified if they did not live in my house. And if they lived in my house, I would still be confused and terrified. Would you be confused and terrified if it was Scarlett Johansson. I would be confused, but not terrified. Slightly terrified, and then more confused. What about Barack Obama? I would be very confused, slightly terrified, and then when I realized who it was, I would offer a handshake and then ask him to sign my book, which, or sign his book, which I have on my nightstand because I read it before I go to bed. Nice. Good to know that. Uh, Michael, we have something pretty exciting coming up at the end of the show. For the listeners of The Squeeze, uh, just teasing that 
ahead of time. And really, uh, we, we got a fun show laid out for you today. Getting started off with it, we have congratulations, you, you did something. You know what? I got I got to be honest here. It, it's weird not being in person. We're in we're not in person because there's ice all over the roads right now. And the studio we normally record in is closed. So that's why we're over Zoom. But, you know, we've got loyal fans that love listening to us. Another shout out to Max Gifford, 10 out of 10 dude. Tyler, he told us he loved uh, the last episode. Let's go. He was very interested in hearing what you had to say on something later in the show with a team no one talks about. Oh, man, we have some very exciting segments coming up for a team no one talks about. Uh, But for congratulations, you did something. Also, when we did our congratulations, you did something intro. Zoom asked if we were playing music in the background. So it registered us as music, meaning we are musically talented. I, I can sing one song in my vocal range and actually hit the note. What that song is, is that? Uh, Ain't That a Kick in the Head by Dean Martin. Oh, man, that's a great song, especially if you like Fallout. If you like Fallout or Mafia yeah. 2. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Good to know we had a same same childhood. Anyway, I didn't play Fallout until college. I'm not going to lie. Oh, wow. You had to. I, I got, I got that from Mafia 2, but I still love Fallout. Don't get me wrong. Fallout 4, one of the best. Great game. Excellent game. Also excellent at his position. Paul O'Neill just broke yesterday that his number 21 will be retired. Paul spent nine years with the New York Yankees and won four World Series in that time. Uh, Worth noting, I think it was Latroy Hawkins is the only person to wear number 21 since Paul O'Neill left the game of baseball. And he was bullied into uh, taking number 22 in like 2008 or so uh so he's been the only one to wear number 21 since paul's retirement uh and now his number will be the 23rd number that the yankees have retired in their history uh and he's also been a broadcaster since 2002 so congratulations paul quite the quite that the career. was the thing yeah good for him that was the thing and this is a little interesting that was the thing that max was curious about of your thoughts on that because I see Paul O'Neill almost as a Willie McGee kind of type of guy where not in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if Paul O'Neill was a very good player and he, you know, he won world championships. I believe he won one with the uh, Cincinnati Reds in 1990 and then came over and won four more with the Yankees during their dynasty. Um, Not necessarily a player who's going to get a Hall of Fame look, maybe by a committee a few years down the line, possibly. Uh, but it's it's interesting that he does get his number retired. Now, do I think Paul O'Neill one day might end up in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Am I open to the idea? Sure. Uh, but it's interesting that they would retire his number. I think it's kind of intriguing that they wouldn't, you know, put a Hall of Famer in. Like with Jeter, they did it almost immediately. But I guess we're kind. I'm kind of stuck in the boat of like the Cardinals where we don't retire numbers unless the guy goes into the Hall of Fame wearing our cap. So... I, I mean, I'm very proud and very happy for him. And I think more teams are starting to go that way. But I thought it was interesting that a guy who probably isn't going to see the Hall of Fame is getting his number retired by such a historic franchise. Despite being a part of those great Yankees teams who went the distance, I think if 
he hadn't had the long career as a broadcaster that he's had so far. Um, I don't know if he'd be as likely to have his number retired, but he's just been such a, you know, long seated, deep part of this organization for so long at this point. I like the move. Uh, again, it's that's that's 23 numbers off the board. So uh, we I think the Yankees are, are going to get to that point where the next great number 63 might get retired at some point. I mean, they're they're running low on numbers. Yeah, that you uh, Hideki Matsui, I think. Didn't Hideki Matsui get his number retired? I can't speak for certain, but that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, Matsui, Reggie Jackson, uh, Thurman Munson. I, you know, who I would, I kind of compare. I, I don't know if this is a fair comparison to make. Uh, statistically, it's not. But in terms of the guys who weren't the elite, or not necessarily the elite talent, but the guys who, you know, weren't the biggest big names on those Yankee uh, dynasty teams, uh, a guy I think of, Scott Brocious. Yeah, he's a guy who, you know, you wonder if he has as valid of a case as some of the guys have gotten in recently, um, you know, just from being on those great teams. You know, I think it's it's a bad day to be a Yankees rookie coming up looking for a cool number. Well, I, I think it'd be a great day for a Yankee to come up looking for a cool number because you don't, you know, you can't choose from one of the single digits. You got to go fucking crazy. You, uh, again, thank God Judge was six seven and good because taking 99 could have panned out real poorly yeah because uh, look all one through 10 are gone 21's about to be gone uh the lowest number that you can go is 11 and that's old man brett gardner uh yeah jorge posada casey stangle mariano rivera reggie jackson uh ron gudry and bernie williams has his number retired oh yeah wow ah. cc will be there Oh yeah, CC will be there. You know he will. Um, geez, yeah, there's so many guys who could. I'm surprised Tony Lazari isn't in there. I don't think Tony Lazari's in there. Huh. I don't know. I'm just looking at the Baseball Reference page right now and naming off random people. But congratulations to Paulie. Um, again, he's been a part of the broadcast team for so long. Such an amazing player on his Baseball Reference. It lists um, what he throws, what he bats, uh, and whether he kicks left or right, which is pretty funny. I do like that. Do you know why? Yeah, when he was with the Reds, he had that moment where uh, he he kicked the ball into the cutoff, man. Yeah, that was uh, that was fucking badass. It was an all-time Paul O'Neill moment, man. Um, so again, fun baseball reference page. Amazing playing career. Dude, he had 359 and 94. He won an MVP with, when he was with the Reds, I believe. Um, yeah, hell of a player. Amazing yeah. career. Congratulations, uh, bro, Taco. Congratulations. Moving on to the news. Michael, ah. what do you know about this new playoff format? Okay, so here's the new playoff format. It's been proposed. I don't know if it's been accepted. Has not been accepted. The league has proposed something around with 14 teams. The players are looking at 12. Uh, what about the specifics on that? Okay, so uh, the 
we've heard about this before within the first couple proposals. Uh, the team with the best record in each league gets a bye and plays its first series in the best of five division series, which is like normal. That would only be the second series, though. Essentially, there would be four wildcard teams and they would play each other. Uh, it would be the two division winners and then the next two. The winners then of those, the top seeded team would get to choose which of the two, which of the winners they get to play. And then from there, the other two teams that weren't chosen, they play each other. So let's say, for example, the uh, the Dodgers are your top seed in the National League. They move on. We get through the division series uh, or the first wildcard series and uh, the, the teams left over. It would be three teams are the Cardinals, the Padres and the Mets. The Dodgers then get to choose the Padres, the Cardinals, or the Mets to play in the division series. Let's say they choose the Mets. Well, now the Cardinals and Padres play each other. And then from there, you go to the championship series and then the World Series. Now, it, is this a lot? Yeah, I don't know if I'm a fan of it, but it's something that they've been proposing and it's an expanded playoff. Um, this goes in with the fact that they pretty much agreed that Universal DH is going to happen. Um and a couple other things that we know are definitely going to happen. But these kind of go into the longer stretch of all the craziness that we'll get into. And what the fuck is this shit with the uh, negotiations and how they're just kind of hitting a low point right now. And, you know, the the real big contentious point worth noting with a number of teams is we have to find that balance between making the regular season mean something, which... You know, you look at a, at 2020 as a case study where I believe 16 teams made it in and, you know, there's there's less of the reward for the teams that do well during the long grind regular season. But also when you are letting more teams in, that does, you know, give more of an incentive for teams to compete during the regular season. So it might possibly in a way uh, help to curtail tanking in the regular season or having the Marlins teams or the Orioles teams who are just non-competitive in most of their ball games. Um, but it's finding that balance. And again, the players are, are wanting 12 right now. The owners have proposed 14 with the playoff format that we just mentioned. And 14 does seem like a lot. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It seems like a like a whole lot of teams. It's one less than half of the league. It's like the NBA. Like the NBA, don't get me wrong, NBA playoffs are very exciting. They take forever. And you have more than half of the league in the playoff. Now, it's it's even more. It's not it's not just 8 versus 1. It's the play-in round all the way down to the 10 seed. You get teams that are like eight, nine, ten games under 500 in the playoffs. And it does suck when you have a 90-plus win Rays team or last year's Blue Jays team who were incredible and they don't make the playoffs. So, I, you know, I, I really I don't hate the 12, but again, baseball also, at least as of now, has a 162-game season. And diminishing what that grind means and staying hot through a full 162 – isn't a good feel. And from the player's perspective, I get it. Um, but again, like 
this entire negotiation, it comes down to money and more teams get in. That's more people watching more games, more sponsorship and more money in the long run. So there's, there's going to be some things that guys have to concede on. And I feel like this is certainly going to be one of them. I'm okay with an expanded playoff, but I, I don't like the idea of choosing your opponent. That that like it, you can't. That doesn't seem okay in every other league. You don't choose your opponent. It, it's based on the season itself. I, I'm okay if we expand the playoffs, but and even you know if you want to give a first round bye to the the top seed, that's okay with me. Do it. But then just you know do it like normal. Have them play the lower seed. Have the wild card team go up and play the Dodgers. We saw what happened when that happened this year. And the Braves ended up winning the World Series. Give, give that first team a bye. That's okay. I'm all right with it. I remember very distinctly, I think, of the 2006 World Series film because as a child, that was all I watched um, because that was my World Series, just like it's my White Castle. But it was, you know, Joe Morgan said it uh, in an interview. It's all baseball is about timing and rhythm and staying in your rhythm. And I'm, I'm okay with them giving a bye week to that first seeded team. But I'm not okay with that team choosing their opponent. That's too many chips in one hand for the playoffs. Most of me would really like to agree with you. But there's also the really greedy part of me that, that really wants that selection broadcast. You know, the, the team representative coming up to the stage. And announcing, we we want the Padres. We we want the Red Sox. Give me give me Boston. I kind of like that. And if if their goal is to get more people to watch, I don't think that that's gonna be it. It's not it on its own. It's kind of fun though. I don't know. I mean, I I remember the wild card game where the Yankees um Yankees were winning and the crowd chanted, "Give us Boston." Yeah, like, I do too. Bring on Boston. That okay, even though you got embarrassed, even though the Yankees got fully embarrassed in that series and the Red Sox went on to win the World Series, that was I'm not gonna lie, that was hype. You're right. Stuff like that where you know who you're gonna end up playing, that that was hype. Um, especially in that context. But and you're gonna have new rivalries created right off the bat. You know, if it's the Dodgers and they say, yeah, we want to play uh, the Mets. Well, then it's going to feel like a slight to San Diego and St. Louis. And they go, oh, they thought, you know, they think we're better. And the Mets are going to go, oh, they think we're not good enough. And I think you can create that drama. But as for getting butts and seats, no one's going to care about that. This isn't the NCAA selection show. This isn't the MLB draft or not even the MLB draft. The MLB draft is boring. No offense to that. And how wholesome of an event it is. I love how wholesome it is. But it's boring. You know, you watch the NFL, the the NBA, even the NHL draft. Big ass arena. They're fucking excited and ready to go. MLB draft in the little studios. That shit. I love it. You're not going to draw fans that way. You're not going to draw fans, you know, more fans with trying to create rivalries by teams going up saying, yeah, we want them. Well, you might, though. You're, you're going to draw the people who, you know, they wear Dodgers caps in the summer. And then as soon as kickoff starts, they're wearing a Cowboys hat. Uh, and then when the Cowboys are out, then they throw on a fucking uh, Lakers jersey. 
You know, Yankee. It's but, it's not Dodgers, Cowboys. It's Yankees, Cowboys, and Lakers. Fuck the Cowboys, first off, and second, you still want those people's money. You still want them watching. Um. So yeah, I you know it's it's not even the biggest issue that they're going to be arguing on, but I'm very interested to see what comes of that. Uh, also interested to see how technology continues to burrow its way into baseball. Uh, new for the 2022 college baseball season, teams are now allowed to utilize one-way electronic communication to signal pitches between the pitcher and the catcher. Uh, and they take it a little bit further than that, too. Um, we actually saw that in action this past weekend with college baseball. Uh, Vanderbilt, uh, one of the powerhouses in college baseball, is using electronic wristbands uh, to show the pitch call um, as it's entered from the dugout. So, A, big thing with this one. You have coaches calling games, which is fairly prevalent in college baseball already, but now it is seemingly 100% controlled. Uh, And also, it was all nine guys on the field from Vanderbilt wearing these watches. So that dictates defensive positioning that lets the fielders know what pitch is coming so they know how to react to a ball you know, down the line at third or whatever it may be, depending on the hitter's spray chart. And there were a lot of baseball guys, players, former players, voicing their concerns on Twitter about this, saying that this is a little too much and that this is an overstep. Obviously, it provides a way to uh, eliminate sign stealing. And, you know, uh, I don't think we have to tell you why that has been a, an, an issue uh, worth noting. But. This does take away a lot of the nuance and a lot of the on-field communication that you might see from guys. Um, I think having something between the pitcher and the catcher makes a lot of sense. But I can see why a lot of guys might think it's overstepping a little bit. It's it's quirky, I'll tell you that. I, I, I'm, I'm worried about a couple things, uh, possible injuries with this kind of stuff. You know, if you're wearing something like that on you, if you're not allowed to wear a watch, if you're not allowed to wear, you know, bracelets or stuff like that, when you're out playing, I mean, some guys do, you wear stuff around the neck and all that, but if, you know, the wrist is very different, that that's a completely different thing. And with the violence, I'm not saying, you know, with the violence of the pitching motion, someone's going to fuck up their wrist throwing a ball. But, you know, uh, some other kind of play, a ball takes a weird carom and it hits off your wrist differently. Uh, That extra thing on there, is that going to hurt it? Is it going to do better? You know, you always got to worry when someone is wearing something else on the field, even if there's a very low risk for injury involving that thing, you got to be worried about it just a little bit. That's why they always told us, you know, we can't wear uh, watches or anything in Little League. That's just, you know, one of the rules. Um, So I'm a little worried about that. I, I, I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea of giving signs uh, virtually. I'm worried about two things just kind of for the integrity of the game. And it doesn't have to go with, you know, you still got to put, you know, your fingers down by your crotch. I don't care about that. Number one, it's the coaches calling the pitches. It's not the catchers. Like, you know, uh, Yadier Molina is calling his own game out there. And for what it's worth, even though as a manager, he's not the best. Mike Matheny has a point in his book where he talks about how at the University of Michigan, it was either at the University of Michigan where he played college baseball or it was um, in high school. 
his coach said, I don't look at me, call your own game. Guys coming up, you're losing that baseball IQ. If you're going to rely on the coaches to call the game for you um, off of these devices, then the catcher, their job is to just sit there and put their glove up. They're not thinking about the game anymore. You're losing that sense of baseball IQ. And that goes into my second point. You're going to have a whole, I'm worried that you might have a whole generation of guys because the coaches are going to take over this. You're going to have a whole generation of guys who are really lacking in some serious baseball IQ. And then we might see dumber baseball, which, you know, for the average Joe watching the game, they don't, you know, understand the nuances of, oh, why'd you go for a changeup to establish the first pitch in this at bat instead of fastball? But for guys like you and me, for guys who really deeply love the game, that little nuance there, that aspect of baseball IQ, I feel like we're going to lose because it's the coach calling it from the dugout, not letting the catcher do it. I think that's a super valid concern. But I think with something like this, the game is going to police itself, hopefully very quickly. Because I, I think about this in the same way that I think about the electronic strike zone when we get that because you know I, I think we're coming close to it or at least some hybrid form of it and there are going to be moments where it works and moments where it doesn't and i think there is of course a level in which looking at at stats and analytics and letting you know electronic uh you know forms of communication enter this game does hurt it at some point and like you said if ball players start to you know, lose the the feel of the game that that somebody may have right now, or not pick up on a lot of those you know nuanced moments that happen during a baseball game. That's something that would that would hurt the future of this game and make it less attainable for the average person. And you know, we can't have a different game being played at the high collegiate and pro level than we do on baseball fields throughout America. Um, but I, again, I think that's an area where the game is going to find out pretty quickly what does and does not work or what is or is not an overstep at least i really hope so um because i I don't think this piece of technology is is truly detrimental to the game that we have right now but i can see where it could be um so i i i understand the concern of a lot of people when it comes to that part of the wristbands also the ones that we're in right now don't look very cool i mean for for a vandy guy who's supposed to be swagged out wearing some like playtech red looking wristband i it doesn't really work for me dog a part of that too the umpires like we've had tyler you could probably speak to this as well because you know in high school we've had umpires enforcing really stupid rules about what you can and can't wear like i i had an umpire who said a kid couldn't wear a white undershirt um because the they would lose the ball in the undershirt um, the batter might lose the ball in the undershirt. And then I've also had an umpire tell a teammate of mine one time that he couldn't wear the glove he was wearing because the A2000 logo on it was yellow and the rest of the glove was black. That one's pretty stupid. That one's pretty dumb. The only one that I know of that does make a bit of sense is at the high school and collegiate level. Uh, they don't want you using a white bat because the pitcher can't quite see the white ball coming off of the white bat. But the other ones, when it comes to armbands or the glove or somebody's batting gloves, that's stupid. It really is. If if it's not going to be a direct safety concern, which with those articles of clothing slash accessories, I don't think it is. That's kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah. It's, 
it's 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 a it's a bit of an overstep uh, in a game where you already see it all too much, and I don't like it. I, if I want to wear my flamboyant armbands, let me do that. Yeah, and you know, it, I don't understand. So the the, the they almost look kind of bulky on these Vandy guys. Like they 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 look weirdly. Bul- Why can't we have something flatter? Like you you know a football play card that a quarterback wears. Yeah, and a lot of guys wear those right now, and those have been yeah. in the college game for forever for for a couple of years at this point. And I I just I don't think you need to to you know switch that to an iWatch. I I I think you can probably leave that at home and be just fine. And again, that goes into, you know, defensive position, positioning sheets and, and things like that, where I, there are some parts of this game that you can leave up to the player and they'll be just fine. Also, it is Bredco. It's not, not Panera. For any of you video listeners, I'm referring to Michael's sweatshirt, his crew neck, which I really like from, you got from STL Apparel. Yeah, I, I think so. I got it for Christmas. Um, I think STL Apparel, isn't it that place down on the boulevard in Richmond Heights? Yes. Yeah, I think, I, I, think I think it was them. If it wasn't them, then it was Arch Apparel, uh, Art, yep, words, Arch Apparel downtown. Oh, that sounds more right than what well, I said. Well, both of them have great STL shit, so it's one of them. Yeah. Shout out to St. Louis, man. Uh, that does wrap it up for the news. Uh, moving on to, uh, oh, man, our, our angry segment of the show. My notes are gone. Oh, man, it's time for what the This one broke last week, or we had new updates on it last week. Uh, Eric Kay, the former Angels employee, was found guilty for distributing fentanyl, uh, which did lead to the death of Tyler Skaggs in the year 2019. Um, He will not be sentenced until June 28th of this year, and he faces a minimum of 20 years in prison. Uh, And a lot of little tidbits came from this involving other players throughout the league. Um, I mean, this, this got... This got really serious and really deep. And again, uh, a young player in this game ended up dead because of this man's actions. Uh, Michael, what was the deal with some of the other guys mentioned in this, you know, in this proceeding? Yeah. So uh, Matt Harvey was involved with it. Um, He provided opioids to Skaggs on several occasions, he said in his testimony. And then, with this, he could also be suspended. You know, there's the uh, the 60 game suspension, which is your first time offense for drugs, uh, for using uh, any sort of performance enhancers. But this would be under a different thing because these are opioids. These aren't performance enhancers. These are straight up, you know, get high, fuck you up kind of things. And so Matt Harvey um, could be suspended 60 days. I'm not sure if it would be 60 days or 60 games um, for the fact that he was on trial he was under oath and he said that so you could have that and then um what that qualifies for under mlb's drug policy is distribution so his admission in federal court this is a federal case by the way this is not just contained to california this is a federal case his admission qualifies under the drug policy as distribution and that is a 60 game suspension 
Now, as to if he will be suspended or not, we're not 100% sure. We need to wait and see if the MLB decides to step in. Number one, Matt Harvey needs to be signed somewhere first, probably before any uh, kind of action takes place. But, you know, we also need a new deal to be signed with the Players Association so that we can get some shit done. But that we'll talk about that later. Um, and then you also had a couple other players uh, who were with the Angels who did testify uh, as well. They they had used opioids, but they never distributed drugs to anyone else. That is via TJ Quinn of ESPN. And these guys are CJ Crone, Cam Pedrosian, Blake Parker, and Mike Morin. So yeah. you, you 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 have all of this shitstorm coming on, and you throw in the fact that Eric K is found guilty here. This is fucked. And he's gonna get a middle of 20 years in prison. It just shows how deep this went and, you know, the, the fact that, A, it's, you know, it's good that more guys weren't more seriously hurt from, from this guy's actions. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of argument on, on Twitter, on Instagram, just online um, about how at fault Eric K is in this situation. Um and I, I think a lot of the argument I'm seeing is borders on the side of ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people mention that it, you know, it falls on personal responsibility to take or not take the drug. But I think it's really important to remember that when someone that, you know, you're supposed to trust or someone of some kind of stature, and you know, this guy had been a, a somewhat long time Angels employee is providing things for you. You don't always question what it is or the side effects or the ramifications, especially when it's not a licensed physician giving these things to you. Um, And again, a a young talented pitcher ended up dead at the end of this. So someone has to be held accountable and he he was, and he's guilty. This this guy is guilty for distributing these things. And again, like I mentioned before, it's, it's good that the ramifications weren't, you know, much more devastating than, than just the loss of one player. And, and again, that's, that's bad enough as it is. Yeah. And it, there are some people I've seen who are acting like this is the first time that we've had some sort of scandal like this in the game of baseball. It is not. Uh, Tim Raines in the eighties uh, was known for diving headfirst into backs. He wouldn't slide. He would dive. And that's because in his back pockets, He had vials of cocaine and he didn't want to break the glass. He would snort cocaine in between innings. This isn't the first time that we've seen someone abuse drugs in the MLB. This is the first, when I say drugs, I'm not talking PEDs. I'm talking real hardcore shit, not stuff that they're using to try and get better. It was Um, commonplace for guys to take amphetamines before games. I mean, drug drug use in, in Major League Baseball is far from a new thing. Uh, fucking hell, uh, Doc Ellis, the famous, you know, uh, no hitter on LSD. Fucking, it, it's happened before. This is the first time someone has, number one, someone within the team has been found out to have distributed it to them. And this is the first time we've seen a massive overdose from it. This is why it's being taken so seriously, 
And this is why the people who need to be held accountable are being held accountable. It took a long time for baseball in the 80s, especially when the uh, when we had giant epidemics of crack and cocaine starting to affect America. It was affecting to give it baseball as well. And it took a while for baseball to really wise up and crack down on it. Um, an issue such as this coming back is really, really difficult. And it's good to see that at least there is some sort of accountability happening because it's because we know with the systems that were in place at the time, no accountability happened whatsoever. No, and this is the first time we're seeing somebody who uh, really, like you said, being held accountable for their actions. And unfortunately, it led to somebody paying the ultimate price. And I, I think it's good for, for some sort of justice to be served. Obviously, it doesn't do much for the loved ones of Tyler Skaggs. Um, but it's, it's good to see someone being held accountable and, and will be, you know, um, dealing with this properly. Uh, not really a topic of what the fuck is this shit, but I'm going to insert it here anyway. Jorge Soler's home run ball that he hit against the Astros in game six, I believe. So oh, the famous dick slap dinger. The one that silenced the entirety of Astros Nation. Uh, it sold at auction through SCP Auctions for 70745 buckaroonies, smackers, doll hairs. That's that's pretty fucking cool, Michael. That is bat shit awesome. I wonder if that's going to end up in the Hall of Fame one day. Did you pop hope it? So. Was it you? <laughs> I, Dude, I, I, know I barely got, got 70 bucks in my bank account. No, nah, I know Mike was balling, man. I, I just, I, I, I never know what kind of shit he has. I didn't know he had that face. I mean. I get this face was 50% off, okay? This face right here, that shit was 50% off. That's the yeah, only way I could afford bro. it. You get 50? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Mr. Five Zero. That's pretty and sweet. What else we got over there? We got, uh, let's see, there's Apollo 11. I made out of Legos. There's the Titanic I made out of Legos. There's the, uh, that's a hat that has a radio in it. It's a cardinal hat with a radio in it. And my freshman and sophomore years of high school, I would wear that to school and listen to the games during class. Wow. Um, Okay. because I did not have this thing called sling yet. So I was unsure or there was the only way to be able to watch or listen to the games. Do you have the Lego death star and or star destroyer? Do you have either? No. One? Okay. So I, all, most of my big Legos are hidden away because the cats will eat them. Okay. Um, I have Lego Cinderella castle, uh, Lego Taj Mahal. Um, that, that one's a fucking beast. Uh, Lego Hogwarts, uh, Lego X-Wing Fighter, um, Lego ATST from Star Wars uh, Return of the Jedi mm -hmm. on Endor. And then what I want to get, there's like these new things that are like Lego art and it's just like the little stubs and you put them in, you know, and I want to get some of them and what i'm going to do with them is i'm going to make a giant harry potter hogwarts crest oh wow that's cool and then i also want to get they have a new set that's like super rare that i want to get it uh, two new ones uh the actual lego titanic which is fucking massive and then also the daily bugle that would be so cool 
Have you seen how much minifigures sell for on eBay? If they're like super cheap or if they're like super rare, yeah. Not super oh. cheap. If they're super rare, they are not super cheap. I they sell for so much. A, a yeah. buddy of mine just sold a Lando the other day for an insane amount of money. Just just an out of package Lando Calrissian. Crazy, crazy times. Uh, the Squeeze Lego podcast. Um, I also went on a spending spree and I bought all the Lego video games I did not have. Oh man, that cost a whole twenty dollars. Oh, that's not bad. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. I got I got Lego Indiana Jones. That's my favorite. That one's really good. I fucking love Lego Indy. Oh, uh, okay. Um, also, what the fuck is this shit, Tyler? We got to get really angry about this. MLB and the Players Association negotiations are deteriorating quickly. No, at this point, the owners have said we have conceded everything. And the players are like, oh, so we asked you for $10. And you, when you started off at $1, you've given us $2 and 15 cents. Not 50, one five. You have given us $2 and 15 cents. You said, nope, that's it. We're not going to do anymore. There are a couple topics that they're arguing arguing on right now where the league has proposed something in the ballpark of five to ten thousand dollars more than their last offer, which which is not a real negotiating point with some of the numbers that they're off on. Um, you know, at recent meetings and recent proposals, uh, I mean, one thing is the pre-arbitration pool. That's that's probably one of the bigger numbers that they're off on. Uh, in the last one, last time they met, the league raised their offer by $5 million to, to, to $20 million, which is still a very large gap between what they're offering and what the players want, which is somewhere in the ballpark of $100 million. Um, so I, there, are, there are a lot of things where the guys are uh, they're, they're bringing a lot of non-competitive offers to the table and not exactly negotiating in the best of faith. Um, when I think that middle ground is is out there, I mean, my God, I'm not in the room. You know, I'm not sitting next to Tony Clark, like stroking his beard or anything. Mind you, he's rocking a full beard now. It looks good. That's a big man. Yeah, we're, we're not in Roger Dean next to Tony Clark, you know, with his. You know what? It, they're at Roger Dean Stadium in uh, Jupiter, Florida, which is a spring training home for the Cardinals and Marlins. Um, I am very worried about Tony Clark's beard in that humidity. Yeah, you don't want it to get too sweaty um, because when you get sweat and then it dries and you get like a like a must. And that is not how I picture Tony Clark. I mean, this is a man of class and grace. And again, he's graduated beyond like the goatee, which is intimidating enough on its own. Um, but if, he, if he's going in there with an unkept beard, I don't think that, you know, really, you know, spells too well for the negotiations moving forward i don't know that maybe that's just me that could be actually a tactic you see he gets the beard all gross and nasty and mm -hmm. it starts to smell and so he walks in the room and the artists and the owners go oh my god what's that smell and so he closes the door and locks the door and he says we are not leaving this room until you sign an agreement and we play and they're like oh god please have mercy and he goes i will have mercy if you just sign the deal we will play and then you can leave and not have to smell my beard. You know, that that sounds like a good strategy. And you're the law guy. So I I'm in. 
inclined to believe you. That's not negotiating in bad faith at all. That's called professional blackmail. That I'm pretty sure it's legal in like 27 states. Florida among them. Everything's legal in Florida, I think. No, it's not. There's a lot of things that there are weird things that are illegal in Florida. And the only reason we know they're illegal is because we have so many Florida man stories of people being arrested. Yeah. Can I own an alligator in Florida? I think you're allowed to, but I'm not 100% sure if you're allowed to get drunk, try to play Yahtzee with it. Ooh, that is where I draw the line. Or you could get drunk, um, try to play Yahtzee with it, and then when it tries to eat you, you then, I think, legally are allowed to beat it with a Louisville Slugger. But then if Bartolo comes to help you out, you are not allowed to touch the alligator. Hmm. That, yeah, that makes sense. You'd want the professionals dealing with it. Bartolo's a professional is. on everything. Yeah. Um, that, that, I mean, that checks out, honestly. I'm not against that in any way, shape, or form. Um, I'm, I, again, not against that. What I, I am really against is just an overall lack of knowledge. And again, even through this whole lockout, there are teams that I just I don't hear about ever. Really, right now, I haven't heard anything about any team at all i'm i'm losing sight of of what baseball even is i'm not even sure if it's played with a ball anymore and there are a couple teams in particular that just nobody talks about that's why we're moving on to a team no one talks about no one just talks about these guys i don't fucking david dobrik pillow in the corner why does no one talk about these teams i have a david dobrik pillow in the corner David Dobrik pillow in the corner. Why does no say? one talk about? He's wearing a Dodgers hat in the pillow, by the way. What's uh? Where's Kershaw going? Oh, hold on, wait. Let me get him and ask. I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get David. Uh, we're we're waiting to hear from uh YouTube superstar David Dobrik right now. So here's David Dobrik, and as you can clearly see. This is a Dodgers cap. He's wearing a now. It's a black Dodgers cap, but it's a Dodgers cap. Uh-huh. And what's really intimidating about this is that he's not looking directly forward. This side's looking this way, and this side's looking that way. So David's not looking you in the face. And if you flip it around, it's the same thing on the other side. Oh man! So David Dobrik, the mystical man who is not looking me directly in the face, and is wearing a Dodgers cap. Where is Clayton Kershaw going? You know, honestly, I I think he, he seems to be doing pretty well considering his, you know, recent controvert. I mean, at least he's wearing a smile. Now a, a frown. No, back to a smile on his face sideways. Uh, okay, he, he doesn't quite know or he's just not willing to spill the beans. So I don't think we're going to get anything out of Mr. Dobrik. Uh, but oh, Michael... it's on the floor. Yes. Oh, jeez. Uh... <laughs> What the hell is going on in Mets land, bud? Uh, <laughs> um, Steve Cohen has a shark frozen in resin, I think, or something like that in his house. Yeah. And it costs like $8 million. And $8 I saw that today. Bucks. And I was like, yeah, we got to put that in a team no one talks about. That's I don't know why that isn't in a, what the fuck is this shit, but we'll put it in a team no one talks about. Um, so there's that with Steve Cohen. He's also in the GameStop documentary, but we talked about that last time. So with the Mets currently going on right now, and I got to thank Mr. Tyler Merkel for doing my homework for me on this one. Marcus Stroman tweeted that he's beyond thankful to be gone from the Mets organization. He put that in a tweet 
Um, people have been quoting that. He's been all over the place, kind of just bashing the Mets, uh, which, you know, interesting. And in the same tweet, he also said, just look at who the Mets hired at GM. That tells you enough. So Marcus, not happy right now with Mets front office ownership and trying to create some beef there. Um, but Marcus, here, here's the problem. Here's where I see the problem with Marcus Stroman. It has nothing to do with him as a person. People talk shit all the time. Marcus Stroman is more than free enough to talk crap on whoever he wants to talk crap about. My problem with Marcus Stroman is he says that the Mets are not a good run team and then is proceeding to talk shit when he is currently on a team that in no way, shape, or form is going to be able to sustainably beat the Mets in any way, shape, or form. Marcus Stroman, you're talking shit as a member of the 2022 Chicago Cubs. True. Get your head out of your ass, buddy. And I don't like the Cubs. And, you know, Stroman's known for uh, being, you know, somewhat opinionated. But I don't think that negates any bad stuff that happened when he was a member of the New York Mets, though. Um, And as, you know, as we've talked about on likely every episode we've recorded thus far, there is always some shit going on in Queens. I mean, those motherfuckers do not have their head on straight at all. They're the only team that can acquire Mark Canna and Starling Marte and Max Scherzer to add with a Jacob deGrom. And I'm like, I, I'm really excited to see how they fuck this up. If any other team in baseball were to acquire the names that the, the Mets acquire year in and year out with a Lindor or a Cespedes or whoever it may be, I'd be super excited and I'd be like, wow, that is a contender for, you know, uh, the World Series this year. You know, that is a super team. Not in Queens, though. Those motherfuckers always find a way to, to get it wrong. And again, I don't hate the Mets. I don't hate Mets fans. There's, there's no animosity on my part here. They just always find a way. They really do. Mets going to Met no matter what. Like, don't get me wrong. Mets are going to Met, except for, you know, 86 and 1969 the mets in fact did not met they did the complete opposite of met and they won um it doesn't okay with the mets right now in the current shape that they're in look at who they brought in look at what they've got i mean they're gonna met like nobody's business but you've got the pieces to success there and on paper at least they're gonna be a good team and so on paper, the Cubs are not a good team. You can talk shit on good teams all you want. People love to talk shit on the Yankees and they can back it up. Marcus, here's where I, I have a problem with him. If you're going to talk shit, you got to be able to back it up. And you're not going to be able to back it up this year with the team that you're on. And that's yeah. not me as a cynical Cardinals fans hating everything about the city of Chicago. Uh, that's me as a, as a realist in baseball looking at the Cubs and going, who do you have? You have Patrick Wisdom. I love Patrick Wisdom. He's a nice guy. I got to meet him when he was playing for the Memphis Redbirds. He is not the future of any franchise ever. He, I, I'm sorry. He can't be the cornerstone. This is a little bit of cynical Card Cardinals fan. At least a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay, here's the thing. You know what? Give props to Patrick Wisdom. Like the guy, he's a good guy. Um, what? If you if you were on the White Sox, this would be a completely different argument. 
Michael just doesn't have very uh, very high opinions of the Chicago Cubs organization. And, you know, honestly, it's something we try to work through here on the Squeeze Baseball Podcast. And he's Yo, gonna- fuck Wilson Contreras. Yeah, see if no, eat a bag of ding-dongs. Wow, for and a long penises. time, listeners, you, you understand. Uh, yeah, you know, Michael's my world of favorite people, Wilson Contreras and Lance Lynn. Yeah, Michael's got some issues that he's working through. Remember when um, I think Adam and Tom or Hayden called me out on that shit? Yeah, yeah, one of them did. It, it's it's extreme, but that's why we love you, Michael. Um, I, almost as much as I love the New York Yankees, who are my team that no one talks about, everybody talks about them. But I'm also going to talk about them. There hasn't been a ton, ton of news. Uh, like we mentioned before in the show, they did go ahead and announce that they will be retiring Paul O'Neill's number. And then the other news surrounding the New York Yankees is who the heck's going to be playing over at first. Uh, it broke recently that they're looking at Freddie Freeman. There seems to be a bit of animosity between Freeman's camp and the Atlanta Braves for not reaching an agreement before the lockout. Uh, stating that he's looking for somewhere around a six-year deal. Maybe the Yankees with the team to give it to him. They do seem to have moved on from Luke Voigt, which is kind of sad, but they're looking for other options. They brought in Anthony Rizzo last year. He's one of those options. I've heard rumors and rumblings about a trade for Matt Olson, DJ LeMay, who has played first in the past. And again, maybe they go for Freddie. I don't think Freddie Freeman should be their top priority by any means, but I wouldn't mind seeing him in pinstripes. Uh, that's what's going on in the Bronx. Michael, who the heck do you want next week? Uh, let's see. Hmm. I was going to have my girlfriend choose this for me, but she doesn't know every team in baseball, which sucks. But that, you know, that's something I can work on. You know, uh, she is teaching me like I'll sit in the car and I'll be like, Oh, I love this Taylor Swift song. And I'm like, it was on this album. Right. And she'll go, no, it was on this album. So she is teaching me what songs are on every Taylor Swift album. So that way I'm not misidentifying them and I'm going to work with her on sports stuff. So. The fact hmm. that you aren't like super well aware of what songs or what are on what album is kind of disappointing. Uh, I would have, I would have pegged you as a Swifty for sure. I am a Swifty. I love Tay Tay. Yeah, just Tay Tay is bang. Yeah, you're just not, you're just not a dedicated one, and you're dedicated not- to something. So it's you know it's okay, it's fine. Yeah, I'm dedicated to her, as in my beautiful lady friend. You're but- so fucking corny, and sometimes. <laughs> You know, you know, like ejector seats in like movie cars, <laughs> like James Bond, which I actually am obsessive. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes I just want to hit the fucking ejector seat button and just send you to the moon. Um, but with a pair with a parachute. Yeah, oh, wait, hold on. Will I be able to survive if I have a parachute on the moon? Maybe. When you ask the Red Bull guy who jumped out of that shit. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It was back in the day. Badass Red Bull motherfucker. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking at a pop figure of Babe Ruth. So I want to say the Yankees, but we can't. But he's pointing in a direction. And he is pointing to his rival, his arch rival, the team that he hates the most. That's right. I'm doing it. I'm taking the Boston Red Sox. 
The Red Sox. Oh man, I guess that means I also have to take a a red team, which is why I will take the Angles. Oh, I said that wrong. The Angels. Ah! Yeah, I'll take the the Angels of Anaheim. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, that's all for a team nobody talks about. And we can't do any of our regular normal segments, Tyler, because there's no trades, there's no hiring or firing, there's no rumors, there's no extension heaven. There's so, no news. There's no other news because, you know, we're stuck here while two sides who bitterly hate each other are sitting in a conference room in Jupiter, Florida, trying to decide by Monday whether or not hourly workers are going to get money. Oh man, they got they got to decide if Michael's gonna get paid. God, I fucking I need a deal so bad. I've only had one. I've had one season where I've had a regular regular kind of schedule. Only one season where I've had a regular kind of schedule. Hmm. Because twenty yeah. twenty twenty one was a regular season, and but my schedule was irregular because COVID still had an effect on us. So I'm hoping soon. But Tyler, you know what? I I I wanna I wanna do something more. This episode doesn't feel complete. I feel like we have to do a couple top uh, five lists just to you know uh, do some more here. Well, yeah, we got to give the listeners something. And what better than our totally valid opinions on baseball players? Oh, so we Ayo. have two for you rounding out the show. First of which, we're gonna be looking at our opinion on the top five third baseman in baseball going into the 2022 season, if we have one. Now, uh, I think we'll probably just go back and forth on this, starting with our five, ending with our one. Michael, would you like to go first, buddy? Yes, I would. And this is my completely total, very researched expert opinion on the matter. So, number five. By the way, there's going to be someone who I had who I took off because, you know what, I, I just I feel like he was a little overrated this year. I'm not going to lie. He got overshown by one of his teammates. My number five pick is going to be the guy who got seventh in the MVP voting, was the Silver Slugger for third baseman this year. Hit 303 with 33 home runs, 33 doubles, one triple, had a 303 average, like I said, on base of 367 and a slugging of three of 531 good for an ops of 898 that finished with a war of 6.1 that's got to be my man my man number 27 on the atlanta braves from desoto central high school in mississippi austin riley oh man one of the uh young thick austin riley one of the emerging stars in the game of baseball 24 years old and a world series champion he had a hell of a 2021. Wait, his name isn't even Austin. It's Michael. He goes by his middle name. Wait a minute. Your name is Michael. What the fuck is this? Oh, man. That's mind-blowing. Uh, almost as mind-blowing as my number five pick for third baseman heading into the 2022 season. I'm not padding because I lost my notes. Yes, I was. Where the hell did my notes go? Found They're right there. Got him. Uh, number five, I have of the San Diego Padres, the guy to the right of Fernando Tatis Jr. when he's pay- playing the game of baseball, Manny Machado. 
Uh, mm. in, in the year of 2021, he played in a lot of games. He played in 153 games, uh, accrued 31 doubles, 28 bombs, and uh, drove in 106 runs in his 2021 campaign. Again, this, the 2021 San Diego Padres were as big of a disappointment as you can really hope for. Machado was one of those bright spots. He's a guy who's kind of always going to be an MVP contention um, and probably would have a couple if there wasn't a guy named Mike Trout in the league. Uh, and again, he still proves to have one of the best arms in baseball. He's a solid defender, and he's always going to put up good um, offensive numbers. So I got Machado at the five. Who do you have at the four? I I had to go with someone here who I have always ranked very highly because I believe he is one of the most underrated players in the game of baseball currently because of who he plays for. Um, And that is my man who I'm pretty sure he he might be a a hometown kid for them uh, out of California. Two-time Platinum Glove winner. He's a three-time Gold Glove winner. This past year, hit uh, or for his career, for his career, he's a 243 hitter, 330 on base, 478 slugging, 808 OPS. Uh, last year, he went. Uh, I'm trying to fuck it. He he had a down year. He only hit 210, but I think defensively and all of his other stats are going to prove. I think it was just a down year that. He is a good ball player, and his name is Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman's wonderful, man. He's an excellent defender. Um, he's shown that he has a lot of pop and can hit for average at times. Um, again, he's had he's had a lot of issues with that hip. Uh, that's that's where we've seen a lot of injury, um, you know, problems pop up for Matt Chapman. So I'm interested to see how he recovers from that. But uh, I don't hate the pick at all. No, he's he's a wonderful ball player. At number four. For myself, I have the guy coming from the mountains over to St. Louis, Nolan Arenado. He is my number four third baseman going into the 2022 season. Uh, Last year for the Cardinals, he might have had a slightly down year as compared to his cores stats, but he still had one hell of a year over at the hot corner. 34 home runs home runs along with 105 RBIs. Uh, he played elite defense and he's a guy who doesn't strike out a ton um, as compared to some of his other uh, counterparts over at third base. That's why I went with Nolan Arenado. Very interesting thing about Nolan Arenado. He went to the same high school as Matt Chapman. Arenado graduated in 09 Chapman in 2014. They produce defensive studs, stud muffins. El Toro High School in Lake Forest, California. Damn. Which is, I believe, the greater LA area. Well, that's impressive. It's kind of cool to think, you know, that he played on that same field. Like, all these major leaguers, these two elite third basemen in Major League Baseball both played on the same field within five years of each other. Head coach is doing something right. Fuck yeah. All right. Where the fuck is this? Now I'm curious. It is southeast of Anaheim, between Anaheim and San Diego, but a lot closer to San a lot a lot closer to Anaheim. That's some prime baseball weather. That's that's I mean, that's just a hotbed for 
for talent and hot dudes and slick fielders. I mean, that's that's what I'm hearing right now. Fuck yeah. Speaking of slick fielders, number three, got to go with a guy who knows how to bash baseballs, which is not at all fielding, but it's a guy that I had to choose. Um, Tyler has some of his stats here. 38 home runs for the Boston Red Sox last year. Rafael Devers has really come into his own as one of the best third basemen in the game. He owns Fenway Park. He has been fantastic for the Red Sox. He has been electric dynamite. I think he can do some great things. He's not, I I don't think he's going to be a gold glove caliber guy. Uh, I need to look up and see if he ever has won a gold glove. I'm not 100% sure if he has. Um, But in terms of hitting, the guy can rake. Uh, Silver Slugger Award winner, 11th in MVP. He made an all-star appearance last year. He's got 112 career home runs in five years. 279 hitter for his career. I am I'm very excited to see what he can do moving forward. Um, but the dude the dude can hit. The dude can flat out hit, and that's what puts him on the list. Is he can just fucking hit. Yeah, he's a guy who's always been known uh as bat first. And when he came up, he wasn't known as a great fielder. Uh, he's worked on that considerably, and he has become uh, you know, a, a, a above average solid fielder. Um especially over, you know, at the hot corner. But again, he's known for that bat. He has an effortless swing, and he's definitely one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Uh, over at third, over at third for my number three overall pick, I have the aforementioned Austin Riley. Young Thick himself, like Michael mentioned, uh, hit 33 bombs in the year of 2021, drove in 107 runs, hit 303 with a 132 OPS plus. Uh, he finished top 10 in the MVP. And he was a huge part of that World Series team. He is one of the game's brightest up-and-coming stars. That's why I went with Young Thick for my third overall third baseman. Michael, who do you got at number two? Number two is a guy who I believe is very underrated. Very underrated because of who he plays for right now. Kind of in the same boat as Matt Chapman, but I think he's better than Matt Chapman just because of how much better he is with the bat. Got sixth place in MVP voting last year. Uh, finished number two behind Jose Abreu in 2020. This past season, uh, he hit 266, had a 355 on base, 538 slugging. Uh, his career numbers this is insanity 278 average, 354 on base, 501 slugging for an 855 career. OPS. His OPS plus for his career is 126. Ever since he's been a regular player and played more and played a majority of the games, he has had a above average OPS plus. In fact, a very, very good OPS plus. I got to go with my man who's playing in Cleveland right now. It's got to be Jose Ramirez. Got to be him. I have to agree with you, man. And I, I agree with you so much to where he's also my number two overall pick in this top five. Uh, he, I mean, he's been a stalwart in, in MVP discussions as one of the best third basemen. Uh, and again, he's a guy who has had slow starts at times, but picks it up so heavily in the second half or just has a good season all, all the way through. I mean, again, last year he clubbed 36 home runs, drove in 111 uh he had 27 steals. I mean, he's such a versatile player. He's a great fielder, switch hitter. He is absolutely going to get the bag um, come time for free agency. 
Uh, that's why he's our number two. And Michael, I'm going to say my number one uh, because I can. Number one, I have a guy who's already been mentioned. Uh, Rafael Devers is my number one third baseman going into 2022. I, I mean, I've, I've never seen a, a hitter like this guy. He utilizes the short porch, not the short porch, pesky pole, but corner to his advantage. Um, he's got such a sweet swing and such a quick bat. Uh, he is truly just one of the most gifted hitters in all of baseball up there with Juan Soto and Tatis right now. Uh, that's why he is my easy number one pick. Yeah, I, I, I understand why you went with him. It's a good idea, good choice. Um, my number one pick is a guy, he had a rough year last year. He really did. And this is not me trying to be a biased guy. I genuinely tried to be unbiased about this entire thing. Jose Ramirez was going to be my number one pick. But I, I, ha- I had to put uh, him first. A gold glove in every year that he has played. Uh, a couple platinum gloves. He has been a MVP uh, caliber player. Missed out in 2018. It, it's got to be Nolan Arenado. Here, here's why. Take the offensive stats out of it for a minute. Let's just take out the fact that in 2020 and 2021, didn't necessarily hit the best. And, you know, he's a career 288 hitter. Take that out. Let's look at some defensive stats. D-War, which in my opinion is one of the harshest stats ever, just one of the harshest stats because it puts you up against the average fielder, not the average fielder at your position. His D-War for his career is a 16.5. That's better than Keith Hernandez, who is considered one of the best defensive players in baseball history. His WPA for his career, his win probability added, which tries to uh, calculate clutch, 21.7 for his career. 21.7. If I could try to find, you know, defensive run saved and all that, he's he's amazing. Like, um, oh God, where the fuck is it? There are just so many stats that prove why this guy is the best in all of baseball. No question about it. Nine gold glove award winners. Um you, you can't, and you know what? Yeah, he even though he had a down year offensively in 2020 and 2021 the dude still raked he still fucking got a 807 ops in 2021 transitioning to the cardinals he still hit 34 home runs i there's no world that i can think of where nolan arenado isn't the best third baseman in the game of baseball there's no world that i can think of he's one of the few guys who can change a game with his glove and there's no understating how important that is. He, I mean, he's one of the best fielders of this entire generation. Uh, and again, even if he's having a, a down year by his standards, he's still an above average offensive player by a lot. And he still brings power at the third base position and can hit for average. And he's he's never going to be a liability to your team. Um, and again, he, he can win games with his glove. He's, he's one of the most likable players in all of baseball. He's clutch. Um, you'll never see a better fielder over at third. Uh, and I, I, I like the pick, Michael. I really do. That wraps I, it up I for think, I want to compare him. Hold on real quick. I want to compare him to somebody who I think is probably one of the best players in baseball history. And that is Brooks Robinson. I'll take Brooks Robinson's first nine full seasons because that's how long, uh, Arnado has been in the league. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, if we look here at his D-War, 
Brooks Robinson's first nine years in the major leagues, first full nine seasons, he had a D-war of 13.9, and he is the best defensive third baseman of all time. Arenado's is a 16.5. He has three more runs saved defensively. Enough said. That's insane. I mean, that's insane. That's insane. And I mean, again, uh, we I don't we, we haven't seen anything like Nolan in a super long time. And and again, he hits for power. And he just provides so much stability to, you know, a slick fielding Cardinals team that has Yachty behind the plate and and Goldie over at the other corner. Uh, I love the pick. I love Nolan. And that wraps it up for our top five third baseman. Next week, we will do the top five catchers in baseball going into 2022. That's exciting. Damn well know that Yadier Molina is at the top. Fuck all y'all Cubs fans. Oh, man. Michael is the most biased Cardinals fan you'll ever meet, and that's why we love him. Uh, Tyler, I want to get stupid though for a second. Can we just get stupid for a bit? I know we're about to wrap the episode, but can are, we just do something absolutely all, stupid? Are we not already? We're, I mean, we're the most stupid. I, I know, but like, I want to just be straight up dumb. Can what level good? do you want to take it to? Okay, listen. All right, I've been thinking about this. I myself am a dummy thick individual. I got them thick cheeks. My cheeks Correct. are thick. They are yes. straight, you know, thick. I got yep. a big butt and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. So I am thinking, you know, I was just looking at Major League Baseball highlights, as one does. And I was like, damn, some of these boys extra thick. And I'm a straight man. Don't get me wrong. I have a girlfriend. And you know what? She's not going to hear any of this. So it's okay. <laughs> she doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> it's all right. She's still the best. Um, so I was thinking, you know, Tyler, it, could we maybe possibly, I don't know. I was thinking, could we take our top five players in baseball who we think are just absolutely dummy thick boys and rank them? That sounds like a really good idea. I mean, what if we rated the top five biggest dump trucks in all of baseball? I like that edition? idea. I like yeah. that idea as well. Uh, from one thick boy to another. Uh, let's just get into it. Michael, at my number five for top five thickest dump trucks in baseball, uh, actually, I I had a couple honorable mentions of guys who who almost cracked the top five for me, but just weren't quite there. Uh, for my number seven, I have uh, the young phenom hailing from Houston. Jordan Alvarez is such a thick boy and hits such mammoth home runs. Um, he's uh, the boys got caked for days, and again, he was almost there. And then in the sixth spot. I have the newly acquired Yankee, Joey Gallo, another one of those thick boys, another one of those light towers of power in the Yankees outfield. Um, big boy, thick quads, thick ass. But at number five, this one harkens back to simpler days for me. Uh, early days in, in baseball Instagram and you know uh, baseball YouTube, and one of my favorite videos of all time of one Mr. Kike Hernandez, who was with Do the Dodgers at the time, just shaking ass in the clubhouse. Uh, he might not be the biggest boy on this list, but Kike's dummy thick. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. And that's why he's my number five. That's an interesting choice. Um, I, I understand this choice. It is a very interesting choice to make. 
I would have to think for my number five, I got to go with a guy who he generally wears like super tight clothes anyway. Like his jerseys are tight. Um, his pants are always tight. His um, his general outfits, whenever he's not playing, seem to be very tight and flashy. And I'm not one of those people who will wear the super tight clothes because, you know, I, I like it baggy, much like my midsection. So I'm thinking, <laughs> I saw the smirk and it fucking killed me. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I got to go with a guy from the Bronx. Uh, he bashes home runs on a daily basis and his name is Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, wow. Giancarlo at the five. I mean, he he is, you know, when, especially in his Miami days when he, you know, he was walking around, popping the shirt, popping it up in music videos. We'd see the workout videos a little more. I mean, he, he's just one of the behemoths of baseball. He's chiseled like a Greek god. Uh, and again, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even want to know if he did squats because he's got cake for days. That's an excellent choice at the five spot uh, for myself. I went thick in the more traditional sense, maybe less a uh, uh, gym sculpted body and more a working out in the field sculpted body, you know, bashing some brewskis. I went with the thick boy himself, Daniel Vogelbach. Now, this is one of the this is one of the big boys in baseball. When he came up, it, you know, it, it was hard to discern his his neck from his head, from the rest of his body. That's just because he's so thick. And again, I don't mean that in a disrespectful tone in any way, shape, or form. The dude could probably bench seven of me. Uh, he's he's a big boy. He's a real big boy. Fits in well with the, that brewer's mold. Uh, Michael, who do you got over at four? This one, people may be shocked by because he hides it very well. This dude is a big dude, and he's an old dude. But he, he can hide it pretty well based on the fact that, you know, he's not out there flopping it a lot. But if you watch him mid-motion with the swing, he gets a lot of power in his legs. But you don't normally see the power in his legs. He can generate a lot of power in his legs. And it should have given it away that I said he was an old dude. Because my choice at number four is actually going to be Nelson Cruz. Oh, that's a, that's a great choice. He gets because oh, he's wearing he wears baggy pants all the time, so it's kind of hard to tell. But when he, you know, when he needs to engage the legs and swing, oh my god, like dude is dummy thick. Oh wow, that's a good one. You know, when you said he old also dude, likes to point at TVs and go, "Wow, technology." Yeah. Again, when you said old dude, I almost thought you were going with Miggy. I really Miggy thought you is, were... Miggy's a good idea. I really thought you're going to go with Miggy, but yeah, wow, going with Nelly, that's that's a great choice. He yeah, he's one of the slept on like low key thick boys, which is weird to say because he bashes so many home runs. But I like it. I like the thick. Michael, what are we on our, our number three pick? Mm-hmm. All right, for number three, while he might be the best in most things, and and I consider him number one on most baseball lists that I could make, he's not number one on this one. He's still very high. I'm going with. Mr. Michael Nelson Trout. He is dummy thick. For my number three thick boy. I mean, my God. He's double double cheeked up any day of the week. Any day of the week you spot him on. Uh, And uh, he had that whole, like, trap thing going where, like, it looked like his neck kind of, like, blended into his shoulders because he was so goddamn ripped. 
uh, the dude, I mean, even like, I think it's approaching his age 30 season or so, or it might already be there. I don't know. He, he's huge. He's one of the best in our sport. Dummy strong. It, it, Mike Trout was an easy choice for this list. He is. And you know, I, I wish I would have put him on it. I didn't put him on it. And you're going to be like, what really? That's your number three pick. But this dude is a big dude. He's a big guy. He is a, he's a thick boy himself. Um, recently threw a no hitter and might be a little surprised that I put him on here. I was between him and his teammate, Lance Lynn. And I decided not to go with Lance Lynn because I have a vendetta against Lance Lynn. I got to go with Carlos Rodon. Oh, ah, another tight pants guy. Okay. He is, dude, if you watched him pitch in his no hitter, like a lot of power in that ass, right? Yeah, I mean, he throws Jed. You, you got to have some cheeks to be able to throw a hundo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I buy it. I buy it. Uh, moving on to my number two. I have a guy who, again, known for being in the gym. You see him lifting weights, body, all, all, all just chiseled and, and, and dripping. And again, he, he's, he's got the cake to back it up. Number two, I have John Carlos Stanton. Mm-hmm. He, he, he made the top five for both of us. I had him a little bit higher. Uh, again, he's, if you were to ask me the most chiseled guy in baseball, he'd be an easy number one for me. He's not quite the number one in terms of cake, but he easily gets that number two spot. I don't know if he's the most chiseled number one, though. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've seen a couple guys. I got to say Jack Flaherty. Oh, dude, you need to see Jack. Like Jack Flaherty is ripped. No, believe me. I, I know he is. I mean, you, you've seen the man covered in champagne, so you have a a little better of a, you know, perspective on it. But no, I've, I've seen his arms. I mean, he's, he's low key ripped, but it's huge. John Carlo, buddy, John Carlo's like six foot six and fucking chiseled. It's not the same. It, it, in person, you can't really tell the difference. Cause you're like, Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, honestly, man, like that, that is a, that is a freezing cold take. You're free. My toes are freezing cold. You're freezing cold. You should probably get a space heater then, but I, I have a heating pad. That's, that's a weird one to say. Like, yeah, clarity is, but there's a difference between seeing it on TV and like seeing it in person. And oh my God, in person, like you are blown away. You sit there and you think a guy and you look at this guy and he fucking towers over you. But you know who isn't a chiseled human being? A person who is not chiseled and does not care that he is not chiseled, but will still bash dingers on a daily basis. And while kids probably have ruptured their ACL, is still hitting dongs at Coors Field. My number two is Polar Bear Pete Alonzo. Fucking man does not give a shit about anything, but the dude is dummy thick in more ways than one. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a good one. That's a really good one. And I'm sad to say he, I mean, Jeez, I, I, I didn't, I forgot. He didn't even cross my mind. But yeah, no, he's totally one of the thick boys. Again, I, I think the thing with him is he, he's obviously strong. I mean, he, he's that, that boy's country strong, right? You look at him and you just see a big, thick polar bear looking boy. I, I don't know if he offers a ton in the cake department. And again, I'm, I'm not. 
he watched him, you know, in a in a swing. Watch him in a swing. <laughs> the I, the pants do a lot for for the argument of thick or not. But I totally get it. I see where you're coming from. But Michael, I would be so goddamn inclined to say that we have the number one. I'm down to just say it at the same time. Are you? I am ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. We're going to deliver our number one pick for the biggest dump truck ass in all of baseball in three, two, two, one. Vladimir Jr. Jr. Vladdy motherfucking Jr. I didn't know. There are so many different ways to say his name. Vladdy Jr. That dude's got a freaking wagon. Uh, He was he was one of, if not the best hitter in baseball last year. He's going to prove to be, you know, one of the greats in this game uh, for a Toronto Blue Jays team that is poised to absolutely pop off next year. Hopefully not to the level of uh, other teams in the AL East for my own personal mental health and well-being. Um, but yeah, dude, he's got a fucking wagon. I mean, I, I, I don't know how he even fits in pants. I know. It's it's kind of shocking, honestly. And like it's, it, it, I, I'm, I don't understand why we don't have just his cheeks as the cover on MLB The Show. That would be pretty good. That would honestly yeah. be pretty good. I wouldn't hate that. You might sell a couple more copies here and there. But I think that wraps it up for the top five dump truck asses in all of baseball. That was pretty fun. The The people are, are just more well-informed now. And for next week's episode, honestly, these, these big dumb segments, super fun. We have a ton of fun with them. And while there is a slight lack of news, uh, it you know gives us something to talk about and share with our audience. Next week... I, I'm feeling a little silly. You are? Uh, just a little bit. And I would like to do something that I'm not even going to explain right now. I'd like to do our Hall of Dumb ballot. The Hall of Dumb. Not the Hall of Fame. We're going to deliver to you the Hall of of dumb is that dumb moments dumb players dumb things dumb items that's for you to find out so be ready for that in episode 86 fuck yeah thank you guys for uh listening watching you can check us out on spotify apple podcasts soundcloud anywhere you get your podcast goes just go look we're probably there uh we got a little rebranding going on with our logo and stuff so be sure to check out that uh, go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, do all that good stuff. We love it when you follow us there. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Of course, like Michael said, check us out on all the platforms. Uh, big news for listeners of The Squeeze. Uh, we do have a new sponsor. The Squeeze is proud to announce BetUS, America's favorite sports book, as a sponsor of The Squeeze. And for our listeners only, mind you, only listeners of The Squeeze, when you use promo code SQUEEZE or click the link in our bio, you'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus when you make your first deposit. Again, I really appreciate BetUS for sponsoring the show, and make sure to check out the link in our bio to get that sign-up bonus. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. Check us out on all the platforms. And Michael, what did you do? Bye! Bye!